0: Create your dream empire that gives you the freedom to create your life the way you want to do it. My name is Megan Brain. This is Stop Sucking Your Business. Let's go.
1: Hello, my precious blueberries. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am super happy that you're here because this topic is a topic that needs no introduction by by someone who also needs no introduction, but for you know, propriety's sake, I guess I will tell everyone that I am here with Katie Dooley of Paperlime. Katie is the founder of Paperlime Creative, a branding and design agency in Edmonton, Alberta. Katie's passion and have made her a first choice for businesses looking to amplify their branding, which I am so thankful for to talk about how to get our branding shit together. So, Katie, thank you for being here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Cool. Um, so, let's talk about your background first before we got started. Or before we get into branding, so tell me, how did you start Paperline? Where did this come about?
2: I mean, if we go in the way back machine, I started graphic designing even before I knew it was graphic design. Uh, I tell a lot of people I designed my 1st trifold brochure at. Age 11 for social studies class.
1: Nice. Did you get an A? So I,
2: I, I, yes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, all through school I loved making things look good, loved making information look good, and then I realized this is a job you can get paid for. So I went to university, got my design diploma. I worked honestly some pretty shitty jobs and I knew we weren't serving the customers the way they deserve to be served, so I started Paperlime Creative about five years ago, and been doing it ever since.
1: Tell me the shittiest job.
2: Um,
1: the sh- honestly, the jobs themselves weren't bad. As
2: always, the bosses. The yeah. shittiest job I ever had was um, was at a vehicle wrap company. I was doing the designs for
1: vehicle wraps. Uh, okay, understand mine for the record was selling vacuum cleaners storage to door that was awful <laughs> yeah yeah that doesn't yeah, it, was, great. it was like one of those cutco things you know where they like just pull in dumb college kids who are like i can make millions and everyone's just on cocaine and trying to <laughs> sell vacuum cleaners and stuff so that was my shitty job um, so we started paper Lime. we as in you the royal we paper Lime, starts taking off and you start seeing that branding is becoming one of the biggest things in your business that you're helping customers with is that right
2: yes and I think the the biggest place I can make a difference like I love doing the graphic design I'll make you a poster but where we really see big return on investment big gains is in the branding
1: so let's talk about I want to come at this from two different ways so first i want to talk about if you're starting from scratch and you want to look into developing a brand for you but also after that talking about what happens in a rebrand strategy when you're just like this isn't working i need something else but let's start with the joyful hopeful hopeful optimism of i got a new company i got this new thing i'm going to get started how the hell do i start thinking about branding I
2: think the, especially when you're a new company, people get caught up in that your brand is something for you, and this is always, like, I hate, like, breaking the news to people, but, like, your brand's not actually for you, and so people get caught up in what colors and fonts they like and how they're going to represent themselves, and unless you're, you know, Kim Kardashian, selling Kim Kardashian doesn't matter what you like. You need to focus on what your customer likes and the people you want to work with. I, those are can be different things, but um, if you develop your branding with the people you love to work with in mind, you're going to get more of those people you love to work with. So for a new person, like you said, sorry, but uh, take yourself out of the equation. Go get a tattoo of something you like if you need to. But... Uh, <laughs> think about your brand from a customer's perspective.
1: That's my biggest piece of advice. So what about people that want to brand under their own name? How do you do that then? I, that's a, that's some self discovery too.
2: (laughs) Honestly, I used to brand under my own name. I used to be Katie Dooley Designs and I switched because I want to grow a team. Um, grow my team I you know I call my I am a boutique agency so to be Katie Dooley design sounds like I'm a one person show Um, and I know especially where I am a lot of photographers are first name last name photography and that's fine because they're one person operation so some of it is you know projecting to the business you want to build and if you know you want a team you know you want to spread out, if this is not going to be all about you, then I would come up with a name, right? Especially if you want to transition from working in the business to on the business. You know, if you're a tradesperson and you're on the tools and you want to get off the tools and just run the show, it shouldn't be John Smith Electrical.
1: That makes sense. When you're thinking about a brand strategy are we talking about creating a name too or are you talking about like the brand, um the deck
2: uh we predominantly do the brand deck stuff um i'll advise on names but i am not a naming specialist
0: so
1: when you're thinking about your customer in mind how do you help like what are your suggestions for entrepreneurs to start thinking about that when they don't have a customer base yet
2: That's a tough question, Megan. Um, I think some of it is just uh, who, you, right? who you want to work with. I always say, like, if you picked up the phone, who would you, like, lose your mind was on the other side. Love that. You know, if, um, I don't know. I'm trying to think of, like, all of a sudden I can't think of any famous person. If Leonardo DiCaprio called you and you were like, oh, my God, I can't believe he wants to get a massage from me, then that's a great place to start as well. Um you know what he's an environmental guy he has a lot of money that can be a great place to start uh, you know maybe if you're not in la that's a little too <laughs> fantastical. But you can start thinking about types of people you like to work with right do they care about like you said do they care about the planet do they like to give back or are they just like busy workaholics that want in and out service you can start to you know, who can you really help and who would you enjoy helping? Maybe you don't want to help the workaholics because they're just so, get it done. <laughs> but I also find workaholics
1: like to pay to have it done and so they don't care what it costs, so. <laughs> That's very true. So one of the things that you also deal with is messaging and I think that messaging is just stupidly important right now, especially with brands getting called out or, you know, rainbow washing, or um, Black Lives Matter, but donating to politicians who maybe are not on the Black Lives Matter platform. And so can we talk about how to get messaging right in a brand strategy that comes off as authentic? Yes, absolutely.
2: I I talk about this in a, the way I frame it, I guess, is how do you need to show up? for your ideal customer because we're all multifaceted people. We're multifaceted businesses, but the way a lawyer shows up in a work interview is going to be different than creatives show up in a work interview. Um, can I be professional? Like, and I mean, hyper-professional. Absolutely. Did I love that you said clusterfuck as soon as we got on this call?
1: Yes. That's just me. I am a clusterfuck. clusterfuck.
0: and love to say it.
2: <laughs> I know what a great word. Um, and that's part of branding, right? And I say, if someone swears in our, in our first meeting, I know we're going to be friends. But you might not get away with that if you're a lawyer, even if you swear in your day-to-day. Um, so how do you show up for your clients? And we actually, at Lime Creative, we do this fun exercise with adjectives. And we narrow it down to five. So how do you, what are those five things that need to be present at every interaction? Um, so let's see if i can remember all five of ours ours are bold friendly creative laid back and i can't remember the last one i have a list um so what is that that's how we need to show up every single time for for our customers and so to have that framework um for your for your social media for your emails for your marketing um for your telephone
1: calls helps keep that consistency I love that. I think that is so spot on. Um, let's talk about once we get this messaging. How do we move from there? So I guess I'm talking about tactical, like, how do you usually recommend once clients get this brand down, they have this deck, they're ready to go? What next? Like what happens once they, the baby bird gets out of the nest? What do you usually recommend for clients?
2: There's it, you know, it's unique to every client. It's really important to launch your brand properly, and launching can look different for every client. Um, I think people who really embrace their brands and embrace their ideal customer can come up with some really cool ways to market. Um, one example I'm going to give is a client here in Edmonton. is a real estate brokerage I did a brand for, and their ideal client is our yuckies. Have you heard the term yuckies? They're like the new hipster. No, no, what is... It's for young urban creative. It's like an evolved hipster. So they, like, care about quality over quantity, so they'll wait, like, three hours in line for ice cream. They care about jobs that they love as opposed to making them money. Um, you know, they care about, um, you know, social social justice stuff. And this brokerage started... They got a booth at a farmer's market, right? And so during COVID, they would like squirt your hands with hand sanitizer, give your dog a dog treat, and like send you on your way. And that was how they advertised. But that is exactly where their ideal customer is.
1: That's brilliant. Like you, you think that's so out of the box, but yeah, like you said, just that's where their customer is. It's so smart. Smart. Yeah. Yeah. So.
2: You know, you say, what do you do next? And some of it is so um, based on who your ideal customer is. And that's what I would think of is where they are. Um, And I'd think of everything from, you know, we default to social media, but where are they foot traffic? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. What other businesses are they going to that maybe you could partner with? Um, Mm -hmm. um, You know, what sort of, you know, we all hate junk mail, but what would be something that would that came across their desk or in their mailbox that they would keep? Um, mm-hmm. What events are they going to? So, you, you know, you said Black Lives Matter and, and Pride. You know, if, if that's where your client is and that's a value you share, you should be sponsoring those events and out at those events.
1: Along those lines, uh, talking about authenticity with a brand. So I'm, just, I'm bringing this up because I know that a lot of entrepreneurs are struggling in the we want to be supportive. We want to be in these things that matter to our clients and them, but we don't want to seem inauthentic. Have you run into this with clients that are afraid of like, I, I want to say that I support Black Lives Matter but I don't want to come off as fake or like trying to lead or follow along?
2: Um, I, ha- I don't have any specific examples off the top of my head but my advice would be, if that is something you're passionate about and Mm -hmm. a cause you care about is to not leave it for Black History Month or Pride Month. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure you're showing up consistently. So if that's 10% of your profits are always going to a charity, then when whatever comes around, let's say Pride, it's Pride Month, then it's not that you're not not rainbow washing. You're, hey, we always donate to we have the Pride Center of Edmonton here, or the Chew Project. Um, you're consistently giving and showing up, um, and it's not just a marketing thing,
1: right? Not just like my my logo's rainbow now, everything's lovely. I did it. <laughs> Pat myself on the back. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, along these lines, so finding your people and finding your ideal client who is going to recognize your authenticity, how do you start finding those out in the world?
2: Step one is getting super specific on who that is. Um, A lot of people are scared. I see this all the time. Um, I always say if you try to talk to everyone, you talk to no one. But people worry if they hone in or niche down, as we say in Canada. We say niche, not niche. Niche down. Um,
1: Let's say niche. Oh, down. good. Nice. One <laughs> that, of those uh, Americans. A good one. No, I'm kidding. That's <laughs> um,
2: If you hone in. People get scared that they're speaking, going. To speaking lose. of niche down and targeting people, we're just, <laughs> <laughs> I've just alienated a whole group of people. Um, <laughs> when you people are scared, when you get super specific, that you're going to lose business. Um, a couple things: there's enough business to go around, and chances are those outliers you don't want anyway. You know, I think. Think of your problem clients, we all have them, those people that you hate getting emails from, that never pay you, um, that yell at you, like we've all had those. Those are those outliers that you're getting rid of when you get super specific. Uh, So that's absolutely step one. Um, And then you tailor your visuals and your messaging and your marketing to those people and the nice thing is that once you start getting some of those people then they start referring people like them to you doing the work for you then yeah absolutely yeah if you can get people your clients advocating for you um Mm
0: -hmm. right
2: you know we we kind of all like the same people right like i said um i like it when someone swears that's a specific type of person who's willing to swear in a business interview um (laughs) So they often know people who are similar to them. So you can start cultivating a really
1: great client base that way. Yeah, agreed. And you're saying the swearing part. Um, I had an accountant once who I had been using them. And we were having some troubles with new about something. And I was going through it with him on the phone. And first thing he said to me was like, oh, they are so full of shit. I was like, I love you. You're going to be my accountant. <laughs> Absolutely. sounds my people.
0: Absolutely. Hey guys, Megan here. One thing before you go, I would love to answer your questions on the next Q&A episode. All you have to do is go to MeganBream.com slash ask Megan, and you'll be redirected to a site to leave your questions for me and hopefully get on the next episode. I do them once a month and I am excited to hear your questions and hopefully help you guys out. Again, it's MeganBream.com slash ask Megan. I'll talk to you guys soon.
1: Don't tell it like it is. Exactly. So now that you've got these people, you know what you want to, you know who you want to talk to, you know what you want to say to them kind of, how do we start thinking about reaching out to them and piquing their curiosity in like an out-of-the-box way? Because I think that everybody feels like they need to do the American to me, like buckshot of just, you know, this shoot everything on the wall, we'll see what sticks, we'll go with it. And they waste so much time and energy trying to just, like, I'm going to post this sales piece on Instagram on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, I'm going to post this fun quote and things like that. How do we stop thinking about marketing to these people in a way that is just everybody's doing it? Like, how do we break out of that?
2: Yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's the question, isn't it? Um, I, when you know who your customer is, then I would think about what they're immediately going through. And I hate to like get on the COVID train, but it's still so fresh in everyone's mind that, um, you know, I was talking to a realtor who loves like young families, like parents, couple of young like kids under 10 just bought their first home or they're upgrading because now they're starting to outgrow it. During COVID, you know, parents couldn't find any learning resources because they were all sold out. Um, There was no work-life separation. Um, Kids were bored and stuck at home and couldn't be with their friends. So as a realtor, and this might be more as a realtor, might be more for existing clients because you'd have that relationship. But what if you found some of those books and send them to your clients, those, you know, grade seven math books or whatever? What if you put together a package of kids' activities? What if you, you know, found some way to do like a meal box or a treat box, a movie night package? Um, You know, this has nothing to do with selling a house and everything to do with building a relationship. And then that person who got the movie basket posts on social media, oh my goodness, my realtor, Look what she dropped off, what an amazing realtor. And then her circle of probably young families who might be looking to buy a house or sell a house, see that and go, I want that same experience.
1: That's so brilliant, just to become a resource to your clients, even if, that's something I always advocate is, you can't think about the immediate sale. You have to think about the sale that's gonna come when they're ready for you. And I think that totally. being a resource like that is so smart.
2: And, and we talk about pain point, I know you addressed this in one of your episodes, You know the pain point that we specifically solve. And so a realtor might say, well, I help people buy or sell a house or find a house. We need to shift the focus onto just what is their pain point? Right, right. Forget the, the job aspect because we know how to solve that problem. And other realtors, sorry, in the realtor analogy, other realtors know how to solve that problem. But what are other realtors not doing that's thinking the step further? Right? When I think of what keeps other entrepreneurs up at night, you know, Mm -hmm. it's things like cash flow. So how can we get them more cash flow? They're not thinking about, oh, maybe my logo sucks. (laughs) It
1: does. And <laughs> we're going to fix it. I mean, it probably does. <laughs> it's, fun. it's fun. We'll just call it what it is. <laughs> oh. oh. Well, so I many. think that is a perfect segue. What, what do you see new entrepreneurs messing up often when it comes to branding or marketing?
2: I think probably first and foremost is new entrepreneurs is not enough. I think, and I, you know, I can be sympathetic cash flow and there's, when you're brand new, there's often bigger fish to fry. You're worried about getting your first client, you know, what's my invoicing software? Do I need to incorporate? Um, but yeah, definitely just not enough. So many just come in with maybe a logo and a business card and an okay website. And I, I just see a lot of gaps where, you know, it's like, what are you leaving with your customers? Um, What do your resources look like? Social media, email newsletters, like, there's so much, and and no business will ever be done. But I think when you're coming out of the gate, you need, you know, you're up against people who have been around for years, so.
1: Kind of hit the ground running just once you say, I'm starting this business, like, be ready to start the business is that what you're saying yeah totally so what
2: about, sorry i was gonna say you'll get in a cycle of you know you're so focused on getting clients that you don't do any marketing and then when you're done with clients now you have no new clients because you don't have a marketing strategy in
1: place yeah completely and i think that so many people don't get the long-term site you know like they'll think like you said this once i get this client everything will be great and then they get the client and it's probably fine but it's it's a stepping stone it's not the whole path and not thinking about the whole path i think is one of the things that sets a lot of people up for failure do you think so
2: yeah, absolutely you yeah. have to build a runway. Um, Mm
1: -hmm. You
2: know, there's the immediate clients and projects you can turn around, sell quickly and turn around quickly and make money fast. And then there's bigger projects that take longer to convert and are harder to find. Um, Because, and, you know, especially as you specialize, Um, you know, if you're an electrician and want to be doing high-end new builds, that's a pretty competitive space to get in. So you need to build that mm-hmm. runway. So that you are the first choice for these high end home builders, for example.
1: Thinking about. Let's say that you are in business for a while. And you think this is not going the way I expected or this is not. I'm not connecting with the right people and I'm thinking it's time to re what what kind of symptoms do you think a business has that it is a branding issue?
2: I think if you are frustrated with the process or the clients you're getting. So when you hit that point where you're like, oh, I didn't charge enough for this, or, you know, why why is this customer, you know, not understanding the process or being demanding, if there's a disconnect where you're not enjoying work every day I would say that's a symptom of that's potentially a symptom of branding um, I also tell businesses anytime there's a major change so if you are consciously changing your um, demographic if you're changing locations if you're changing products or services that's a good time to rebrand as well um, but you're not going to get you know, Michelin star clients with McDonald's branding. So if you're if you're thinking in your head you're a Michelin star restaurant and you have McDonald's branding, you're going
1: to be frustrated at work every day. That is a perfect analogy. That is so good of a way to put it. That's that is going to be like the social media quote of this episode, I think. Yes. <laughs> well this kind of situation think it's let's let's say it's not the Michelin McDonald's let's say maybe it's half seas it's somewhere in the middle there where it's it's not completely just out of left field but it, it's something it there's a tweak or there's a pivot that has to happen do you recommend that brands pivot or do you think that it's more advantageous to do a complete tear down and a rebuild
2: that's tough i depend on how long your business i would definitely keep the same name just you know even something not simple but seo right people know your um you know know to google you you have the rankings under your current url whatever phone book all that fun stuff even your storefront people drive by and go "Oh, i know that store um, and then it changes names. They might think you've moved, different ownership, gone out of business. Um, so unless your name is incredibly detrimental, I try to keep that. Um, and then it's kind of a case-by-case. Case. Sometimes brands just need to be modernized. And we've seen that, you know, Pepsi did it, Girl Scouts did it. Um, you can Google all of these brand evolutions. Um, and then some of them do need a total, total tear down. It depends on how they started their business, um, and kind of back to new entrepreneurs. So many just, you know, do something quick and dirty to get up and running, um, that it was never built properly in the first place. Um, so that that situation, I would recommend a tear down and rebuild. But if it was and it's just looking a little dated. Um, a refresh is sometimes all you
1: need I agree and I think that a lot of people will jump ship maybe a little too quick I think people will get into a mindset of it's not it's not my customer or it's not like my logo is the thing that will solve all my problems do you know what I mean yeah so yeah, there's- what do you think? Go ahead. No, oh, you finish. <laughs> okay. No, I'm just like the I'm just thinking out loud, honestly. <laughs> I think we're heading in the same direction, which is why I want to know what you're gonna ask. <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah, so you feel free to finish my thought
2: <laughs> I was gonna say there's so many other components to branding. Yes. That isn't just your logo, Um, and people forget that
1: customer service is part of your branding. Let's talk about the different aspects of a brand then. What are the facets that people might not consider as part of a brand?
2: Uh, Customer service, for like I just said,
1: Um, and that
2: is everything from pricing policies Um, how your employees speak to customers, how you dress. Um, Yeah, that's probably, yeah. I'm like, is there anything else under customer service? Customer service. Um, That's a big one that people don't think about. I also include um, sound branding is a new area. Um, But, you know, what songs do you play on your reels? um hold music um if you have a brick and mortar what music's playing over the stereo and sound branding i don't i don't know i don't do any sound branding i just know a little bit about it um because sound is so linked to memory it's actually becoming like a really interesting area of branding um so do you play hard rock do you play top 40 do you play classical music um, and then I, I mean, I say every impression you have with your customer. So we, you know, visuals, messaging, website, social media, um, I, I get right down to the nitty gritty. Like I, what's your onboarding process? What kind of forms are you filling out? What kind of invoice are you sending? Um, that falls kind of both under visuals and customer service, but, um, you know, it's should all- makes sense client gifting promo products
1: I think the idea of you know you touched on audio and the music you're putting on reels or thing that is so I think uh, mind-blowing just people aren't thinking about what how does each song on my media or like you hold music or things like that like how does it all play into the picture and I just you've blown my mind with the reels thing because I didn't I've never thought of that
2: it's it's about I mean you know this is about creating the same experience every time so I
1: mm-hmm.
2: I've downloaded a couple of you know royalty-free songs off of Shutterstock and they're all kind of like punk pop because we're Bold and laid back and like I said we don't mind swearing so mm-hmm. but if I played classical music or country people would be like well what is she doing <laughs> right and that's the, then you get this disconnect of um, you know if I put someone I don't have hold music I answer my phone but um, you know if I was a, a type of place that had hold music and you see
1: hey.
2: one thing on social media and then classical music when you're on hold people would wonder if they called the right place right
1: just thinking about like hot topic or something if this stores the topic having classical music like what is this i don't is this right
2: right <laughs> you know what you know what you're gonna hear when you enter the hot topic right exactly exactly do these are hot topics still a thing um we have them in canada but it took like decades to come here. We just had hot topic at <laughs> to the point when I like outgrew it, like thirteen year old Katie yeah. really would have loved a hot topic and thirteen year old Katie didn't have Hot Topic.
1: Yeah. I remember when I came here or when I came to where I'm from and it was just like mind blowing. and so expensive. But right. <laughs> I digress. That's this is the important thing. Let's talk about how Hot Topic has changed <laughs> throughout the years. I I mean that is actually <laughs> That's true. A That's a very thing. good brand. Yes, a brand case study.
2: And, okay, you know, I, uh, there's, brands are so interesting watching them. I saw a meme the other day that has a picture of McDonald's from, like, the 90s with, like, the red roof and Ronald McDonald. Mm-hmm. And now it's, like, gray and austere. I'm like, yeah, because McDonald's grew up with their target. Yeah. Pizza. Yes, they're much more contemporary now. And it's for me now.
1: It's, it's a it's been a it's an interesting strategy but. it's and they're so smart to do it too i completely you think about there's these these blogs and i think um instagram accounts and things of like used to be a pizza hut of these stores these you know standalone structures that used to be a pizza Hut and they're so iconic you can tell and these yeah. new brands coming in just trying to like make it work within the pizza hut walls yeah Katie, someone desperately needs branding help. When should they come to Paperlime, and what is it that? What kind of work do you want them to do ahead?
2: Whenever someone is starting or considering a big change in business, they should reevaluate their branding. We have a really great process in that we don't actually need a lot of homework done. Beforehand, um, if you have an idea who you like, we'll we'll ask all the questions to draw what we need out of you. Um, and I actually, I actually prefer people to not have something in mind when they come, because we, like I said, we ask all these strategic questions, and then we do a whole bunch of research. And if what we research and find out doesn't match what your vision is, um, there will be a disconnect at the end. So we've worked it in a way that, you know, people, people get so stressed out. And so it was, it's so, it's kind of cute. Um, they're like, I'm not ready. I'm not prepared. I'm like, it's fine. We will, we will get, it's our job to get what
1: we need out of you. And when you are working with them in a brand strategy, um, what should they expect to happen throughout the process?
2: Um, I mean, It's very comprehensive. So we start with a discovery session. It takes about an hour and a half, but we invite you to bring anyone you might want to have some feedback. So we've done brand discoveries that are up to two and a half hours long. Um, And again, that you don't need to be prepared for. Then we do a whole bunch of research and we let our clients actually see all that research because I can research your industry forever. And not know as much as someone who works in that industry. and our research looks a little bit different for every client, but we'll we'll call and interview ideal customers. Um, obviously, we'll do an online search, we'll pull censuses, we'll you know we have some strategic partners that can pull reports for us. Um, we'll meet with consultants in the industry, whatever it needs, whatever we need to to get what we need for for the brand. And then the client actually gets to review it along with their brand position um, or where they fit in the market. And once they approve that, then we do – oh, sorry, go ahead.
1: Go ahead. You.
2: Uh, once they approve their brand position, then we do all the, the creative and – so messaging and visuals, whatever their unique package looks like. And then we give them a really beautiful how-to guide on how to use it all.
1: That was actually what I was going to ask. How do they go from all of this research and all of these things to, like, okay, now now what the hell do I do with it?
2: Totally. Um, (laughs) And that was one of the good things that came out of my vehicle wrap job is I just, I saw this huge gap in people would come wanting to put a big logo on their truck, and it would be, like, a shitty JPEG. And they'd be like, That's all I have and I'd be like, Okay, well now I have to charge you more to make your logo again And I and I saw this over and over again. So it was this huge gap that I was like, no one will leave Paper Lime Creative not having exactly what they need. Um, okay. you know, with it's it's they leave not ever needing to come back with the hopes that they'll come back. <laughs> It just felt so wrong that people would spend this money on a logo and not be able to use it later. Right. So we send them away with every single logo file they could ever want, which is like 20-plus files, um, depending on the brand. And then they get a 16-page brand framework, so that has their brand characteristics, So those adjectives I was talking about earlier. Um, we give a summary of who their ideal customers so they can refer back to it and explain to other people they get a brand story they get all their fonts colors Um, we actually give photography suggestions as well that fit in with the brand so if they're buying stock or working with a photographer they can say hey this is kind of the look and feel we need Um, what the different file types mean and how to use them because that's a real thing And then how not to, don't, how to not wreck your logo. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't smush
1: your logo. Love your logo. Be nice to your logo.
2: That's how, actually, I should retitle it, how to be nice to your logo. Don't
1: there you go. <laughs> you like a like little, a little baby bird, and here's how you be nice to it. Don't smush the bird. Yeah. yeah. So, Katie, I have more questions. How can people get a hold of you or Paperline?
2: Paperlime.ca is the website, at Paperlime Creative on Facebook and Instagram, and if you want to connect with me directly, it's Katie, K-A-T-I-E, at Paperlime.ca.
1: Have we missed anything that you feel people should know before we go?
2: I, mean, no pressure. I think branding branding's a ton of fun, and it should be a fun process. Of all the things and things you have, chores you have to do in your business, branding should be a fun one. So if you're not having fun with your branding, um, it's time to reevaluate, find someone new.
1: Perfect, perfect way to end it. Thank you so much.
2: Awesome, thanks for having me, Megan.
0: Hey guys, one more thing before you go. Could you do me a favor and leave a review of this episode? It would help me out so much and get the word out to other people. If you could just drop a review, I would really appreciate it.